0: Welcome to the Betherfree Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 30th of May 2010, entitled Faith Promise, Giving Beyond Ourselves. And the Bible readings are taken from 1st John Chapter 3, verses 16 to 24, and 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 24. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. First John Chapter 3 and verse 16. When you've got your place there. How about quoting with me, first of all, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. With that in mind, with your Bibles open to 1 John, chapter 3, I'd like to read verses 16 to 24 as I invite you to stand to honor the reading of that word. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath the world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. He that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him, and hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. Father, we thank You again today for our time that we can have together in Your Word. Thank You for health and strength to be together in Your house. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, You know each one that is here that You've brought this way today. And Father, You know each and every individual. You know the need of their hearts. You know where their minds and thoughts and hearts are even at this moment. And Father, I pray that you would captivate each one, Lord, by your Spirit, Lord, that you would speak the words that only you can speak. And Father, I pray that here today, Father, that as you speak to our hearts, we would be receptive to that which you have for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Aren't you glad today that God loved you enough, that he was willing? However you want to look at it to... Give His Son, yes, but in fact, to give Himself for you, that you might have life. And of course, we lead this, read this passage here, we are reminded of His great love in giving Himself to us. And I would ask you this morning, should we do any less than giving ourselves to Him? He has asked us to put our faith and trust and belief in the act that He did for us on Calvary. The fact that He died for our sins and rose again the third day. He's asked us here that we love one another and that we love not just in word and mouth and, and and a bunch of words, but in our actions and our deeds as they go forth. Now, as we once again come to that time of the year when we have our annual missions conference, some may ask Why another conference? We know all about missions now. We support lots of missionaries now. I have for a number of years now. On the Sunday preceding our conference, we have looked at the idea of how that we might be able, through faith promise, to accomplish more for missions in the year ahead. You might say, well, we've heard all about that, so why do we need to hear it again? Well, I can read this, which was written by a church member, and I would say before reading it that I can assure you that it is not by accident, it is not by coincidence, it is not by even our own doings that this congregation here today is able to support the number of missionaries that we do with the amounts that we do. Folks, that doesn't just happen by itself. It happens because of what God has done through the hearts and lives of you right here this morning. It is God's accomplishment. He deserves all the glory. But the truth is that we need God to do through us what we cannot do ourselves. I read this and I thought it was pretty appropriate considering our times, considering the comments that were made in our treasurer's report in our last AGM, how that as we look around the world and we see all the financial problems and difficulties and things that are going on, and yet, rather than seeing the giving decrease, we've seen the giving go up. We've seen God allow us to give more to the work of missions, to the cause of the gospel around the world. And you know, if you know anything about this preacher by now, that yes, our greatest end is to glorify God, but folks, our greatest task that we have, our greatest purpose in living is being able to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with others that they might come to know Him. There is no greater purpose that your life can have than to be the representative of our Lord in portraying that message to those around us. This church member said this. He said, in the past year, faith promise and giving to missions in general has been on my radar screen a bit more than usual. This is due mainly to the economic times we find ourselves in, but I like what he says next. People have had to tighten up. People have not had as much because of the economic times we find ourselves in, but also partly to my own struggle between a heart for God's kingdom and a heart, for the world's stuff. You'll see what happens many times when the money gets tighter. It gets harder. And those choices, what of the world's things? What are we going to give up on if there's not as much money to go around? Is it going to be God? Or is it going to be our own personal stuff, which is about as good as most of it could be described? We've got a lot of stuff in this world that we're going to leave behind that's going to be absolutely worthless, even though that many times we have actually used uh, the greatest amount of what God has blessed us with on all this stuff that's going to be worthless anyway. He goes on. He says, remember when it comes to missions giving that goes beyond the tithe, one explanation and or exhortation isn't enough. We have a culture that screams in our faces every waking morn moment, buy stuff to find happiness, buy stuff to find contentment, buy stuff to find pleasure, and so on. So people aren't simply going to find ways after just one sermon to sacrifice so that they can give more throughout the year. You're competing with the world's message. And they're getting more than a healthy dose of that seven days a week. We need to continue to encourage and challenge to look for ways to live differently today so that we can be more more generous tomorrow. The little things. How can I give up on this personal pleasure, this going out for this meal that, that this 20 pounds or this 30 pounds might go to supply the, the need of some pastor in India rather than me just wasting it in one evening? How can not buying every feature on my next car enable me to see... Another church planet launched. How can my being thrifty with my clothing enable me to provide care that opens the door for sharing the gospel? Pretty good insight. You see the thing, there are all around us, every day of our lives. The world is screaming, buy this, you need this, buy this. If you're going to be happy, if you're going to enjoy life, this is what you need. And folks, I don't say this to be nasty. We are some of the greatest blessed people on the face of the earth. We have so much stuff that most of the world knows nothing about whatsoever. We find that there comes a point when we have to make choices, I can assure you this, from my 30 plus years in the ministry now, that giving to the cause of Christ doesn't just happen by itself, it's the missions conferences. It's the missionaries coming through that puts a face. That's why we, as independent Baptists, we support independent individual missionaries that have a face. We don't just send it off to some conglomerate somewhere and hope that they use it wisely. We know our missionaries, each one of them. It happens because week after week after week, we have those like Brother Malcolm and Sister Liz that, that come up here and they give you reports and they keep you updated on what's happening in the lives of our missionaries right now. They keep in contact with them so that we can find and know how we can best be praying for them, how we can best be supporting them, besides just sending off a bit of money every month. But thank God. I hope and pray. I may be here next Sunday or I may not. I may be on the other side. You may be blessed with somebody else standing in this pulpit. I hope and trust and pray this church never uses it, loses its heart or its vision for getting the gospel out in our own communities and around the world. You see, I'm asking you loving this morning, but I want to ask you pointedly. You know, what's really important to you in life? What's really important? And how is it possible, how is it possible for us actually, genuinely to be able to give more to the Lord's work? Now, I could say a lot of things, but time won't permit. Most of you that have been here any time, you know that I believe with all my heart that giving is something that. God blesses, that you can never outgive God. That when you put Him first, He will. You can trust Him. He will meet your need. There's a story told by a preacher who was preaching in Africa, and he was preaching on Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. And of course, the point that he was making there is that God was inviting them to to test him, to prove him, to see if he wouldn't really do what he said that he would do. If they would be faithful in their tithe, that he wouldn't just open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that they wouldn't be able to withstand. Afterwards, one of the men explained to him how that African fathers taught their children to trust them. When a child was around three years old, when he was just just old enough to be able to to walk good and run and and, and get into things, the father would take take him, and he'd put him up into this high tree up onto a branch, and he would leave him there. And then the father would come down below, and he would tell him just to jump out of the tree. Well, not many children would jump out the first time, but dad would begin to coax him. Come on. Dad's big enough. Dad's strong enough. Dad'll catch you. You can trust Dad. And eventually, with that encouragement, that child would always eventually jump. He knew that he could trust his dad. He would jump right into the father's arms. And it was a lesson that was taught to them that they would carry for life. And of course, you see, that's what God's trying to tell us. Ask me me. I am big enough. I am strong enough. You can trust me. If you put my principles into practice, I promise you they'll work. Trust me. Try it. We thank God that as we look into God's Word, and you know that I've taught you a number of times, but I believe when it comes to giving that there's three dimensions of giving, and I'm not going to spend the time there This year that I have some years on that first dimension, a giving that I believe the Bible teaches us is binding upon every Christian. Some think that the tithe doesn't apply, and that's fine. You go back. You can listen to the sermon if you want to. But I say to you, the tithe wasn't something that was under the law. The tithe existed before the law ever existed. It existed under the law, and it exists under grace in the New Testament. We find that We have to trust God. That's a bare minimum that we ought to give to God's work. That's giving that is binding. But then, secondly, the giving that is benevolent. You see, the first is the tithe. But then we find those free will offerings, those love offerings, those things that we give that are not what we have been asked to do as a minimum but those things that we give from our hearts because we want to. And, of course, we find that beautiful illustration in Exodus chapter 35 and 36 as the tabernacle is being built, and, of course, the the people just keep bringing and bringing and bringing because of their hearts, because they want to have a part in God's work. This isn't their tithe. That's done separately. They just keep bringing and bringing and bringing until finally Moses says, Whoa! Whoa! We've got more than we need because they love God so much. They wanted to see God's work accomplished. Those are what we know as free will. Those offerings that we give above what we ought to be bringing into God's storehouse, the local church, regularly. But I want us to focus on that one that, again, yes, I believe all of us need to be reminded. That third dimension of giving not the one that's binding and not just benevolent, but the one that is beyond us. It's beyond us. It's something that cannot be accomplished, number one yourself. What is faith, promise, giving? What are we talking about? Well, you know, again, there are churches all around the world that practice it, but many people have spent their whole lives in churches that have never heard of it. We'll look in just a moment. As we look through Second Corinthians chapters eight, nine and some of 10, Second Corinthians chapter nine verse seven says, "Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver." You see, I'm not here telling you that you have to do this this morning. I'm here to point you to God's principle. God's the one that's saying, trust me and see if I won't do what I say. This is something that has to be done that is beyond any possibility of you doing it yourself. As long as you can do it, then it still falls into those free will offerings that are being done out of the love and the generosity of your heart. It's only when we get beyond that that God is doing that, which is not possible for us in any way to do or to take credit for. You see, I get excited about Faith Promise Missions conferences. I'm excited about the meeting that's going to begin on Wednesday. I pray that our hearts can be stirred and our hearts can be challenged as we realize and recognize that the more we get involved in missions, in, in, in Faith Promise Missions the more people in the world are going to hear the gospel and be able to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God that will use us if we'll truly give ourselves to Him to accomplish the task that He's left us to do. If we can get our eyes off of the world and get our eyes upon Him and trust Him and believe that He will do what He says that He'll do. We're not talking about a pledge. Matter of fact, when you fill out your faith promise slips, and I meant to ask Brother Malcolm earlier if he had some, we normally give those out this Sunday, the Sunday before the conference, because hopefully, as we've already asked you, you've already been praying about it. There's no place on there for your signature. It's a promise between you and God alone. It's something that... Nobody's going to send the bill collector around to collect if you don't put it in on Sunday. We won't even know. It's not something that's to be taken from your tithes or offerings or those things that you should be doing within your own heart. It's strictly between you and God. If you decide sometime during the year that you just can't give it, Well, then you don't have to come to me. You don't have to come to Brother Peter. (laughs) Just take it up with God. It's between you and he. And and as 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 long as you and God are okay with it, that's fine. It's waiting before the Lord. That's why we ask you to pray. That's why we ask you not to wait till next Sunday when we'll be receiving those faith promise cards, not to wait till then to start beginning to try to figure out what you're going to do. Why do we do it that way? Because it's biblical. We'll see here in just a moment. The people promised ahead of time what they were going to do. And then the apostle Paul came and got it later after they'd had time to do that. That's why we do it year after year. Why do you put it on a card? Some of you give to missions and never put it on a card. Well, thank God, keep giving. You see, don't be afraid of committing to God. Don't be afraid of being specific with your God. First of all, you write it down because it's a commitment between you and God. And it's a reminder. And also, it's the only way that your church, if we take and we we don't have any earthly idea what's going to come in week by week by week by week, how do we promise those missionaries that we're going to support them so much? And so for us to practically be able to use that in the most efficient way possible, We don't want your name. We don't want that. We just want to be able to take what you've promised between you and God and as God supplies it to be able to use it efficiently to get the gospel out to the very best of our ability. You see, the aim of it is that when you make that promise to God, it's called faith promise. Because as we look at all these things, we find that we give it. We trust God to do what He said in meeting our own need, We don't wait till we see if we've got something left over to give. That's just a love offering. We get with God. We pray earnestly, God, what do you want to do through me? It might be five pounds a week. It might be 50 pounds a week. It might be 500 pounds a week. You say, preacher, are you crazy? No. <laughs> Matter of fact, I could bring Christians' stories to you right now. They could show you, well, I mean, it's absolutely scared them to death (laughs) what God has said He wanted to do, (laughs) and then to watch God do. You see, the Bible talks about when our faith is enlarged, when our faith grows, when our faith increases, then those that are in the regions beyond will be enlarged to get the gospel. I'm not asking you to do something emotionally. I don't want to get your emotions worked up and do something that's just in your faith. That's why we say pray earnestly before God. God, what do you want me to do? Help me to be able by faith to trust you for that, to commit to that, and to do it trusting that you will do exactly what you've promised to do. Folks, the glory all goes to God in this kind of giving. You can't pat yourself on the back and say, look what I've done. No, because you couldn't do it. Can we grasp that? We ought to be giving to the cause of missions, everything that we can. Part of your tithe that goes into this church goes to the work of missions. You ought to be giving love offerings just because out of your heart you want to have a part in God's work. But I'm saying when, when, when you want to do something that is beyond you doing what you can do, then you get into the realm, this third dimension of giving that the Bible teaches us clearly about, which is trusting God to do what you can't do, to where He alone gets the glory for it. Certainly here in this church, the sole purpose, everything that you give through faith Promise missions goes strictly to the cause of missions. It's not used for the needs of this church and for our local things. Folks, I promise you this. God knows what He's doing when He gives us these plans. It'll bring you closer to the Lord. It'll bring you into a a closer relationship of dependence upon Him because you're needing to pray and trust God. God, how are you going to do this? Most of us don't know. And I wish I had time this morning, and I I can't believe that clock's moving as fast as it is. I wish that I had time to share. Even in our own lives, I shared with you not in a boastful way, but what an adjustment that it was for this preacher when he went from a very, very, very well-paying business position to living on the road solely by faith, trusting God for the next meal, trusting God for the, for the next tank of fuel. I always said that I was a Christian that walked by faith, and to a certain degree in some areas, you know, I wasn't mis- mis- being mis- misguided. <laughs> but in fact, I never really knew what it was to truly walk by faith. They have to trust God. They have to trust Him for everything. And I want to tell you something. (laughs) What a blessing that it brings to your life. You'll do things that you'll never be able to think about or share with anybody without bringing a tear to your eye, just knowing (laughs) God did that. I can't, there's no way I could, God did that. And you see, even in faith promise giving, you need to stretch your faith. I'm, we 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 see well. We were going to see if I get through the introduction in time. We're going to see that the truth is is that God can do amazing things. It's never meant for your harm that you could be put under a burden. If you just act on your own emotions and in your own flesh and all those things, at will. You need to be earnestly getting on your knees before God. God, what do you, give me peace about what you want to do through me. Week by week, consistently, for the cause of missions. We're going to see that it's a scriptural thing to do. That it's something that's done by absolute faith and trust in the Lord. That it's church-centered. You see, when you give it through faith promise, when it goes into the local storehouse, when these missionaries are supported and taken care of, the preacher can't take a pat on the back. The mission secretary can't get a pat on the back. The deacons can't get a pat on the back. Only God gets the glory. They don't know what individual that it's come from. It's the church, the body that we were singing about. Our single one body that we all make a part of here at Bethel. He gets the glory not us. Open your Bible, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, I'm not going to be able to do much more than just read and make comments. I want you to leave here today. If you decide not to have a part in faith, promise, giving during this next year, that's between you and God. What I do not want you to do is to leave here today not understanding what faith promise giving is, the invitation for you to be involved in it because it'll be a blessing to you. I don't mean this mean, but you know what? God's not so poor that he's got to have your money in order for his work to be done. The truth is, what I'm asking you to do here today is not for the benefit of God's work being done, the blessing of having a part in that work being done. God has chosen to do it this way, and he's given you the privilege and the opportunity. We find that as we look here today, if you get involved in this, he wants you to do it because, wow, this is great. I'm excited about this. Thank God for being able to have a part in it. Probably problem is most of your programming has been all the other direction for a long time. Don't go away. Is it? You're, you're used to thinking about that money, and, and the reality is that until God really gets all of you, He's not going to really have your pocketbook. He's not going to really have your mammon, your money. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, I'm going to begin reading. Notice what he says in verse one. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, the Macedonian church is being used as an example. This isn't some kind of theory work. This is the recording of reality in God's Word about this church. It is a work of grace, he says here. It is only by God's grace that this church has been able to accomplish what he's about to show us that they've done. Notice he says in verse 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. These Christians in this church were facing, he says here, a great trial of affliction. He says they were in deep poverty. Most of us, we've read about it. We've heard about it. We've maybe even seen some pictures of it. But most of us in our societies have never really experienced deep poverty. But I want you to understand that whatever your idea of it is, this church was in great affliction. They were in deep poverty. Yet they're joyful. And the Bible says here that they're, they're generous and they're, they're liberal in their giving. Now, does that make sense? How somebody can be being afflicted and they can, can, can be in deep, deep poverty and yet have this great joy and be generous in wanting to give away what they do here. They're not complaining, which seems to come so natural to our Christian society today. Complain about this, complain about that. We don't like this, we don't like that. They're joyful. Notice what he says in verse 3. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. They had done everything possible that was within their own strength, within their own power that they could do. But now they were doing that which the Bible says was, beyond their power. It couldn't be accredited to them. It was something that they could not do themselves. It was something that was only accreditable to God and His grace. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. These people, under all this affliction and poverty, the Bible says here they're literally begging Paul. Let us give. Let us be a part of this. Let us do something with this. They're pleading and begging to have a part not trying to say, whoo, how can you expect us to do anything? How can we do more? The Bible says they're begging to have a part. And this they did, not as we hoped. I've underlined this in my Bible. But first, gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Isn't that what we were reading about in John 3.16 and in 1 John 3.16 and the verses that followed? Isn't that what we were reading about? God gave Himself. The first thing He needs from us is us to truly give Him ourselves. And then they'd not only given themselves to God, but then they'd given themselves to God's people, to the others. Isn't that what he was telling us in 1 John chapter 3, that you can talk the talk all you want, but your actions need to be proving it. And what he wants is for us, first of all and foremost, to be part of God's family, to put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to love Him and then to love one another. He goes on here in verse 6. In so much that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. What's he talking about here? The same grace. That the same thing The same grace that was at work in the church of Macedonia could be at work in the church in Corinth. The same grace. That's what he's wanting for them. He's wanting them to experience the same wonderful blessing. Therefore, as ye abound in everything. This church had a lot of good things. They were abounding in, he says, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us. See that you abound in this grace also. They were blessed church. They were doing a lot of things well, but they needed this grace at work amongst them. He says in verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and notice what he says, to prove the sincerity of your love. That's kind of what John was saying back there, wasn't it? Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. You can go around saying all day long, I'm a Christian, I love God, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. He's saying, this is not something that you have to do in order to be a Christian. This is not something that is by commandment. But this will prove where your love really lies. We find that... He says in verse 9, Well, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. <laughs> Jesus Christ, his gift to us, the greatest example of all giving. He was willing to give up everything so that you could have something. <laughs> he gave it all up in order to give you Everything. He says in verse 10 and 11, And herein I give my advice, for this is, notice what he says, expedient for you. Who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. We didn't just make it up. (laughs) This was the way that they were doing it. They had promised a year ago what they were going to do. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. That is, there's a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. I've said time and time again, don't put something on there that you don't mean. Be honest. Be sincere about what you're doing. They'd made the promise the year before. That was time to see it all fulfilled. He says in verse 12, for if there be first a willing mind. It is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. God's never asked you to do anything that, well, He's asked you to do something here that is beyond you. He's never asked you to do anything that you can't do. Now, some of those things we can only accomplish as this one, by His grace, in His grace, in His power. But he's not asking, he's not giving you some hypothetical thing that's not going to be able to be accomplished out there. You need to have a willing mind, you need to have a willing heart, the readiness to do it. He says, For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. He said, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, and that there may be equality, as it is written. He that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. We find that this really is just God telling us that, you know, God's not asking this of the church at Corinth, that they would be burdened by what they were doing, but just that the needs would be met in God's economy. Give, and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, he says. Notice what he says down in verse 24. We've got to skip along. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. (laughs) Paul had been boasting the dimensions of giving at work in their midst, it would be a proof of their love, and it would also be their reputation, their testimony amongst other churches. Don't go saying you can do something that you can't. No. know God's will. And do this thing. And do it that it can be a testimony to others. Wow! And it's not, look what God is doing through so and so and so and so and so and so. but Look what God is doing through his church. What, how, how in the world is that church able to do that for missions? Because God's doing that which is beyond any of us as individuals. We find that as we look down into to chapter 9, Which says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia and Achaia, was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this name. In this same confident boasting, therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty whereof ye had noticed before that the same night be ready as a matter of bounty and not as a covenant. You know, all these things that we do, folks, that's what this is all about. It's encouraging. It's encouraging. They've made the promise. He says now they're just trying to exhort you and encourage you to do those things that they might be able to to be accomplished. Notice he says in verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. God doesn't have to have you for his work to be accomplished. But you sure need God, and you need God's blessing, and you need God's hand. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have all sufficiency, and all things may abound to every good work. We can read on, but our time is gone. You can read on the rest of this chapter and on into the next chapter. The one thing that I do want to to note there in your Bible that the Bible is very, very clear. Notice over in chapter 10, verse 15, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, he says, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. When this church's faith was increased, it was going to enlarge God's work. Folks, we didn't just pull this out of the air from somewhere. Read and study. These verses go back and read over them and look at what's taking place. Look at what had taken place in Macedonia in a church that was in deep poverty. And yet a joyful happy people that were begging, "Please let us give to this need." And of course, being an example, here's a church in Corinth. They're not in that kind of poverty but they need that same kind of grace, even though they've got all these other things going for them. They need disgrace at work in their midst as well. If you don't get involved, if you're not involved already, and if you don't get involved in Faith Promise Mission, then it's you that's going to miss the blessing. It's you that'll miss the blessing. It's you that'll miss one of the greatest opportunities. I promise you, there's no retirement fund. <laughs> There's no mutual funds. There's no stock market out there that you can invest your money in that will bring you greater returns than investing in the kingdom of heaven, in God's kingdom, trusting him to do what he's promised that he'll do. Some people, and I'll give you this in closing, <laughs> remember the story I've told you a couple times about the dear old country, mountain, black preacher that used to be a friend of mine back in the States. He used to come to visit me every Monday morning, and we'd talk about what the Lord had done the day before in our both of our churches. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of education in this world's eyes. <laughs> his vocabulary was limited to a lot of educated people's ideas and whatnot. Boy, his love for the Lord. <laughs> His sincerity for the Lord and his work, and I told you that that simple preacher made that statement to me that Monday morning. I was at work. He he would come by my my place where I was working, and we would have these discussions. And he said something like this. He said, "Huh." He said, "I told them folks yesterday." He said, "You always talking about wanting to be." closer to the Lord, and closer to the Lord, and closer to the Lord. He said, huh, you don't a bit more want to be closer to the Lord than the man on the moon. He said, fear if he gets too close, he's liable to reach over there and whisper something in your ear. Are we afraid to get too close? So, <laughs> wow, <while>, you know, <laughs> his Appalachian accent, <laughs> His lack of education, and yet the simplicity and yet profoundness of that thought. Are we willing to get close enough to the Lord to hear what He's trying to say to us? Are you afraid that God may be asking something that's not in your plans? I want to challenge you. I love you anyway, however you take it. I want to challenge you first of all. I want to challenge you to be here tonight. I'm going to do something tonight that I don't think that I've ever done since I've been preaching. That's a lot of years. (laughs) Over 30 years since I surrendered to the ministry and I was preaching from the time that I was 15 years old, I don't think I've ever taken another man's sermon and just used it as it was. This evening, God willing, we're going to be looking at one of John Wesley's sermons on the use of money. I've used a few comments from it before. I, I believe, you know, a matter of fact, I kept getting away. I had, I had other things planned. I had a couple other things planned. It was trying to figure out which ones do I do away with, but God kept taking me back to this. And the truth is, as I looked at the things he was saying, I began to ponder, well, you know, I'm either going to end up just plagiarizing him all to pieces because there's so much there that what do you leave out? we're just taking a look at it as he preached it. And he's got some simple but profound truths in there. How to use. Matter of fact, what he's using as a text is how to be a friend of unrighteous mammon. How to be a friend to unrighteous mammon. I want to challenge you to be here. I want to challenge you to be willing. We set this up for God's cause of missions. Wednesday through Sunday, plan to be here. Will you come and see what God's got to say? Are you afraid of what He's going to say? If you already know, then you have nothing to be afraid of. What does God want to do with you individually and as part of this church collectively for the cause of the gospel in the coming year? Come and listen to these. There'll be a blessing to your heart, those that that have surrendered their lives, that are are working for God now, and that that God is accomplished. Come and look at what God is doing and, and, and listen to their testimonies and see what God's got for us in His Word. There's nothing to be afraid of what God will say to you. If God is speaking to you, you need to hear it, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable. Do you care enough about the cause of missions to try to Be in your place to see what God's got for you this week. I'm challenging. I said, I love you anyway. But folks, I'm asking for your benefit, not for mine, not for this church's. I want you to be in God's hands, in God's will, with God doing with your life what he wants to do. And will you pray? Because if God gets you, the money doesn't matter so much anymore. You know, I told you this illustration, and I promise I'll finish I'm sure I've used it with you before. Brother Steve, a lot of times when you go to the doctor and, and, and you're not feeling well, one of the things he starts doing is he starts poking on you because you're hurting inside, but he can't see in there, so he starts poking and feeling. And, and if he hits the right spot that's tender, what happens? We jump and we say, ouch. You know. <laughs> Why? Well, either he's been getting carried away and poking too hard or he's hit a tender spot. There's something wrong on the inside. And just pretending that it's not wrong will not fix it. You know, the truth is, when we get to talking about things like this, yes, I'm giving you fair warning. If you listen to God this week, it's liable to cost you some money, it's liable to cost you some time, but nothing that you don't want to give from your heart because you desire to. We're not going to twist your arms. And I definitely don't want to play on your emotions. I want you to listen and hear God. You know, if it hurts, when the preacher starts talking about giving and sacrificing and things like that, if it's hurting, something must be wrong. It needs to be fixed. It won't fix itself. We need to hear what God's got to say for us. Father, we thank you. And Lord, I know that I've left so much out of what I had wanted to say this morning, but... Lord, I pray you can take these simple thoughts and you can speak to our hearts. And, Lord, this is such an important time for us as individuals and as a church. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this week, this conference. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to have open hearts and open minds. Lord, we need to be focused on this. We need to hear from from your people. We need to hear from you. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us a wonderful conference this week, that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray as a church that our hearts and minds would be open, and I pray, Lord, that you would bring others in that maybe need to hear what's being said. And I pray that when we look ahead, Lord, at what you're going to do in the coming year, I pray, Lord, that it will continue to amaze us to see you doing that which we can only say, that's God, It's not us. For course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.